Turn with me, please, to Joshua. We've been studying, for those of you that have been here every week, you know that we're going through the book of Joshua. And we're in the 20th chapter. We're kind of moving on to the end of it. And right now we've come to one of the most keynote passages and one of the most spectacular places in Scripture that we'll ever see. You know very well that the Old Testament connects to the New Testament. You know very well that what we've been looking through in the book of Joshua transfers and makes itself known to us in the New Testament. We've come to the 20th chapter where Jesus Christ had told, well, God had told people before that there was going to be a place where they could run to, a place where they could go to be protected. He told them that they would have a place to go to, a place of refuge. Now that they've, they've got this territory in the, the promised land, the Lord God picks out six different cities that if anyone accidentally kills another person and the family member of that person becomes enraged against them, they have, the people who accidentally killed this person, have a place that they could flee to for protection. They could flee to this place. They could plead their case before the townspeople who are neutral upon this. And if they are found innocent, they can stay there unharmed until the high priest dies. We'll read this all in a moment. Since they have this place to run to, This person who wants to avenge the blood of his relative cannot reach them. He cannot go into that city and do them any harm. And so what we are going to see is how the Old Testament takes us back to or forward to what we have in the New Testament. I want you to do a couple things with me before we get to reading Joshua chapter 20. I want you to look with me, please, at John chapter 10. Hold your place. In Joshua chapter 20. Turn with me to John chapter 10. Joshua chapter 20 will be one of the most stimulating chapters that you and I will ever study in all of Scripture. It is just nine verses long, but it's going to be significant to every single one of us. What we are going to see in this city of refuge, these six places, is is a place of protection. You and I in the New Testament have this city of refuge. It is none other than Jesus Christ. He is the one who will protect us from the avenger of our blood. I'm going to tell you who that is, and I'm sure you probably already know. I'll tell you about that in a moment. In John chapter 10, verses 28 and 29, Jesus Christ tells everybody, I give eternal life to them those that come to know and believe in Him. I give eternal life to them, He says, and they will never perish. No one will snatch them out of My hand. And then He says, to further the example of this strength that we have and this protection that we have and this security that we have in Jesus Christ, He says in verse 29, And My Father, who has given them to Me, is greater than all. And no one is able to snatch them out of my Father's hand. And so we see the protection that we have in Christ Jesus. On your way back to Joshua, I want you to see this protection proclaimed in the Old Testament in Psalms 91. Would you turn with me now on the way back to Joshua to Psalms chapter 91. 
as I was preparing this study, uh, Pastor Wes uh, reminded me of this particular place in Scripture and sent me some notes on it. I want to read Psalms 91, verses 1 to 16 with you before we begin. Actually, this is already into the message. It says in verse 1, The person who dwells in the shelter of the Most High will abide in the shadow of the Almighty. I will say to the Lord, My refuge, we will be talking about a refuge, My fortress, My God, in whom I trust. For it is He who delivers you from the snare of the trapper and from the deadly pestilence. He will cover you with His pinions. I believe that's the way that pronounces. I don't know. It's bird's wings. And under His wings you may seek refuge. His faithfulness is a shield and bulwark. The word bulwark means defensive wall or a person or a principle that will protect. So you will not be afraid of the terror by night, nor of the arrows that fly by day, or the pestilence that stalks in darkness, or of the destruction that lays waste at noon. A thousand may fall at your side and ten thousand at your right hand, but it shall not approach you. You will only look on with your eyes and see the recompense of the wicked. For you have made the Lord my refuge, even the Most High, your dwelling place. Our dwelling place is this refuge that we will run to. No evil will befall you, nor will any plagues come near to your tent. He will give His angels charge concerning you to guard you in all your ways. Verse 12, they will bear you up in their hands that you do not strike your foot against a stone. Satan quoted this particular verse to Jesus Christ when he was in the wilderness, when he was trying to tempt him. You will tread upon the lion and the cobra, the young lion and the serpent you will trample down. Verse 14, because he has loved me, therefore I will deliver him and I will set him securely on high because he has known my name. Verse 15, he says, He will call upon me, I will answer him, and I will be with him in trouble. I will rescue him, and I will honor him. With a long life, I will satisfy him and let him see my salvation. Folks, those are promises that we have from the Word of God. I said to you before we read this that we are in uh, this. You're very fortunate to be at this particular service at this particular time. You're going to hopefully, by the grace of God, hear a message that will 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 heighten your 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 security and who you are in Christ. It will show you that these times in which we live, uh, although as troubled as they may be, have no hold on us. I don't know for certain because I am not a prophet. I don't know for certain because I can't, I'm not really truly a visionary. But I believe that we are living in times that are getting to be worse and worse and worse as each day goes by. I've heard on the news now that they're uh, contemplating uh, um, now uh, taxing churches and that your donations will not be taxable as you give to the church. That's what I'm hearing. Um, that probably will pass. I think we're in a time where you and I are going to see who really wants to be serious about our faith. It is a time where we're going to see the tares and the wheat kind of be separated. 
It is a time I think we are about to live in that is the most exciting of times because every time there is difficulty or trials against God's people and His church, God's people and His church rises up. And I am kind of looking forward to it. I'm not looking forward to the trials. I'm not looking forward to all of the trouble that might come our way. But I'm looking forward to seeing how many of us are going to say, like Caleb and like Jacob, when they saw the giants in the land and all the other spies saw the giants in the land and they said, they're too big for us. They're too strong for us. They've got us where they want us. We are like grasshoppers in their sights. Joshua and Caleb said, that's not true. That's not true at all. We have been promised this land by the Lord our God. We can take this land. And so many of the people believed the ten spies who said, no, we can't. And I'm going to be here to yell and to scream and to tell you with all of my heart that we can overcome. We are greater than whatever is going to come down the pike because our God has us in His hand. Not only in His hand, but God the Father also has us in His hand. We are in a place of refuge if you truly know the Lord God, Jesus Christ, as your Savior. And so we are going to take a look at this wonderful place in Scripture, perhaps the most powerful of all that we've looked at now in the book of Joshua. This place of refuge transfers to mean that we have a place of comfort because of our city of refuge, none other than Jesus Christ. Read with me chapter 20 of the book of Joshua, this great and powerful book. Then the Lord spoke to Joshua and said, Speak to the sons of Israel. Say, Designate the cities of refuge of which I spoke to you through Moses, that the manslayer who kills any person unintentionally without premeditation may flee there, and they shall become your refuge from the avenger of blood. And they shall flee to one of these cities and shall stand at the entrance of the gate of this city and state their case in the hearing of the elders of that city. And they shall take him into the city to them and give him a place so that he may dwell among them. Verse 5, Now if the avenger of blood pursues them, they shall not deliver the manslayer into his hand because he struck his neighbor without premeditation and did not hate him beforehand, meaning it was an accident. Verse 6, And he shall dwell in that city until he stands before the congregation for judgment, until the death of the one who is the high priest in those days. Then the manslayer shall return to his own city and to his own house to the city from which he had fled. So it says in verses 7 and 8, They set apart Kedish in Galilee, in the hill country of Naphtali, and Shechem in the hill country of Ephraim, and Kiriath Arba, that is Hebron, in the hill country of Judah. And beyond the Jordan, east of Jericho, they designated Bezer in the wilderness on the plain of the tribe of Reuben, and Ramoth in Gilead from the tribe of Gad, and Golan in Basham from the tribe of Manasseh. These were the appointed cities for all the sons of Israel and for the stranger who sojourns among them, that whoever kills any person unintentionally may flee there. 
and may not die by the hand of the avenger of blood until he stands before the congregation. As we're going to see in a moment, if they stand before the congregation and they did this not not accidentally, but it was premeditated. They wanted to kill this person. The city would judge them and they would kill them right then and there. And so God, as you're going to see, believes in capital punishment. He believes in taking care of those who kill and, uh, and shed the blood of another. But these people run to this place and if they are innocent, they are protected. And you and I, you and I, folks, and flee to the one who will protect us. Let's pray. Father God in, in heaven, thank you for this morning. Of all the mornings we could gather together, of all the ty- places that we could be, we find ourselves in this time, in this place, in Joshua, the 20th chapter, talking about the cities of refuge that you set up for those who need to flee to you for protection. And Father, you give us the same example in the New Testament. You have given us our city of refuge. You have given us our place to flee to. You have given us your Son, Jesus Christ, whose blood was shed upon the cross for the forgiveness of our sin. And so, Lord God, would you please do us the greatest privilege that could be be uh, befall upon any group of people and that is would you please open up our eyes our hearts our thoughts our minds would you open up our eyes that we might behold wonderful things from your law oh father move me aside i beg of you please move me aside let us hear from your heart may that still quiet voice speak to each of us so that we might hear from you your thoughts, your intentions for each of us this day. Now bless this time that we have together. I, I also pray, Father, because I've just spoken to two different people who who have uh, their moms in, uh, in hospitals and, and really concerned. I pray for each and every one of us here that as a person that we are specifically praying for or a group of people that we are praying for a loved one that we are praying for that's going through deep deep waters would you please comfort if it would be your will father would you take this message and comfort each heart that needs to be comforted take this message and can can convict any single one of us father that needs to be convicted And teach us, dear Father. Now, would you bless us all? We pray in Jesus' most precious name. Amen. In the Old Testament, look at Exodus chapter 21. Exodus is to the left of Joshua. We're going to be turning to a few places in Scripture because I want to plead this case to you so that you might see what we are talking about is truth from the Word of God. In the Old Testament, there is a very clear distinction between premeditated murder an accidental, what is called manslaughter. In Exodus chapter 21, verses 12 and 13, it says this, A person who strikes a man or a woman so that they die, they shall surely be put to death. That is murder. It is premeditated. But, verse 13, 
if this person did not lie in wait for them, but God let them fall into his hand. In other words, it was accidental. It was an accident. In fact, in one of the places here, it talks about they're swinging an axe and the axe accidentally flies off of the, off of the handle and it hits the person and dies. They immediately fled to a city because they thought that their, their loved ones would be angry that this person died while he was working with them in the woods cutting down trees. So if he did not lie and wait for him, verse 13, but God let him fall into his hands, meaning accidental, then I'm going to appoint for you a place to which you may flee. And now we see these places, these six cities, are placed in the promised land and on the other side of the Jordan. Three on one side, three on the other, so that anyone who accidentally kills someone may run to this city so as to be protected. Now, in this case, in the case of a death, since Israel had no police force, a relative of the victim could become the avenger of the blood. Verse 5, we see in Joshua chapter 20, verse 5 talks about this avenger of the blood. Therefore, this person who is the avenger of the blood were legally justified to kill the guilty party if they found him. But if a person killed another accidentally before the family could seek him out, he was to run to one of these cities, a place of shelter, if you would, the city of refuge, to flee from the potential family member who was angry that this person had killed one of their family members. If he found him first, if a family member found this person first and decided in his own heart that he killed him on purpose, He could legally kill him. And I'm going to show you that. There were six cities, verses 7, 8, and 9. Three on each side of the Jordan. These cities were to go to in in case of any kind of a problem. And according to Jewish traditions, we are told that these roads leading to these six sanctuary cities were kept in excellent condition and they were well marked so that no one could miss fleeing to them if they needed to they could easily get there since the holy land was about the size of the state of maryland you could see that nobody was really very far from a a city of refuge and once they were there then the congregation of that city they they were to judge that person that fled to them and you'll note in verse 9 you could be either a son of israel or you could be a stranger it didn't matter They were both eligible for safety if they were found innocent. They were to convince the townspeople that they did not do this on purpose. So the people would investigate. They might even call in the family. And if they found that that the fugitive that rushed to them was guilty, they would put them to death then and there. But if they concluded that it it was not murder, it was manslaughter, it was an accident, then the fugitive was allowed to live in that city and be protected from the avenger, the one who wanted to take their blood. And they could remain there and be untouched, protected by those within that city. But a very interesting note comes up. It is this. Look at Numbers. Numbers is to the left of Joshua. You'll you'll first see uh, Deuteronomy and then Numbers. Look at Numbers chapter 35. It's very interesting. 
If the person who fled to one of these six cities for whatever reason decided to leave before the high priest died, they were fair game. And if they were killed, the one, the one of, of the family members of the person that died, they could legally kill them. Look what it says. In Numbers 35, verse 26, But if the manslayer, innocent, accidental, that's not a murderer, if the manslayer at any time goes beyond the border of his city of refuge, to which he may flee. Verse 27, And the blood avenger, in other words, the relative, finds him outside the border of that city of refuge, then the blood avenger kills the manslayer. He will not be guilty of his blood. He could kill him if he so desired. Because, it says in verse 28, he should have stayed, the one who fled, he should have remained in his city of refuge until the death of the high priest. But after the death of the high priest, then the manslayer, the one who killed this person innocently, he shall return to his land of his possession. You see, the one who fled was under a form of what might be called house arrest. He had to stay in that city until an event happened. What was the event? The event was until the death of the high priest, as it says back in Joshua chapter 20 and verse 6. Now, why should everything change just because of the death of the high priest? And what does this, this ancient Hebrew law of fleeing to a city of refuge and, and being protected have to do with you and me today? i tell you what it has to do. It has everything to do with our faith in our Savior and in our Lord Jesus Christ. You and I, if you have trusted in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, we have rushed to our city of refuge. And the avenger of our blood would the love to destroy us. But he cannot touch us once we come to our city of refuge. Watch this now and listen very closely. Here's where we're going to take a look at what it means to us in the New Testament. You see, everything in the Bible ultimately is about Jesus Christ. Hold your place in Joshua chapter 20. Turn to Luke chapter 24. One of the most wonderful places in all of Scripture. Jesus Christ meets two guys who are walking on what is commonly called the road to Emmaus. They are going home. They have been in Jerusalem. They're about a seven-mile journey from Jerusalem to Emmaus. They have just witnessed Jesus Christ being nailed to a cross. They have just witnessed that He died on the cross, and they had just witnessed His being buried. They had heard a rumor that He has risen from the dead, but they had lost hope. And what I want to explain to you, the subject of God's will is from cover to cover, from the Old Testament to the New Testament. And we see this true by taking a look at what Jesus Christ said to these two men on the road to Emmaus. Luke chapter 24. I'm babbling and not turning. Why am I not in Luke? Forgive me. Luke chapter 24. Got it. Verse 13. Behold, it says, two of them. Here's two guys that were in Jerusalem are now walking to Emmaus. More than likely their home. They're going back dejected. Watch. They were going that very day to a village named Emmaus, which was about seven miles from Jerusalem. 
and they were conversing with one another about all the things which had taken place. It came about that while they were conversing and discussing, Jesus Christ himself approached and began traveling with them, walking side by side. Wouldn't you have loved to have been there? I would have loved to have been a part of this scene. I would have loved to have listened to what Jesus Christ said about himself. Well, let's see what he says. So they're walking to this road to Emmaus, and all of a sudden, out of nowhere, Jesus Christ comes walking alongside of them. And as it says in verse 16, their eyes were prevented from recognizing him. They didn't know it was him. And so he says to them, joining in on the conversation, what are these words that you are exchanging with one another as you're walking? They stood still and they looked sad. They looked at him with this, with this, this gaze of, of, of unbelief, saddened by what had just taken place because they were hoping... Beyond any shadow of any doubt, they were hoping that Jesus Christ was exactly who He says He was. They were hoping beyond beyond anything that they had that He was going to come, set up the kingdom, and He was the very Messiah that they were hoping would come to this earth and, 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 and bring them their salvation, bring them their place of, of safety, so to speak. And one of them, it says in verse 18, named Cleopas, I guess, answered and said to him, Are you the only one visiting Jerusalem and unaware of these things which have happened here in these days? And Jesus said to them, What things? I mean, do you love it? Can you see a sense of humor? I mean, really, what things? Some people who are self-righteous said, say, Well, it appears to me he's lying to them, isn't he? Oh, he's just trying to drag out of them information to see where their hearts are, to see where they are at this moment as they are depressed, walking away from what just happened in Jerusalem. So he says, what things? And they said to him, the things about Jesus, the Nazareth, who was a prophet, mighty indeed, and in word, and in sight of God and all the people. How the chief priests and our, our rulers delivered him up to the sentence of death. They crucified him. We were hoping, verse 21, such a great verse. We were hoping... We were just hoping, hoping against hope that it was He who was going to redeem Israel. And and, and, and indeed, beside all of this, it is the third day since these things happened. Some women, they say in verse 22, among us amazed us when they were at the tomb early in the morning. They didn't find His body. They came saying that He had also seen a vision of of angels, that they had also seen a vision of angels. And they were saying that he, He was alive. Some of those who were with us went to the tomb and found it just exactly as the women had said. But him, they couldn't find. Him, they did not see. So Jesus says to them in verse 25, O foolish man and slow of heart to believe in all that the prophets had spoken. Was it not necessary for the Christ to suffer these things and to enter into his glory? And then verse 27 All of this I read so that you and I would see verse 27 and see clearly what Jesus Christ is within all of Scripture. And then it says in verse 27, beginning with Moses and with all the prophets, He, Jesus Christ, explained to them the things concerning Himself in all the Scriptures. All the Scriptures. Every detail in the Old Testament. Everything that we are studying in the book of Joshua 
leads and lends itself to understand and know more and more and more about Jesus Christ. And so chapter 20 in the book of Joshua is an amazing, powerful chapter because it leads us to our true city of refuge. It leads us today in the New Testament to Jesus Christ who can protect us, who will care for us. As we just read a little while ago in John chapter 10, who says, they will never perish. I have them in my hand and no one, no one, no one is going to snatch them out of my hand. And my Father, who is greater than all, also has Him in His hand. And no one will be able to snatch them out of His hand as well. So every detail of the Old Testament points to the Lord Jesus Christ. In Hebrews chapter 10, listen to this great verse. It says in the seventh verse of Hebrews chapter 10, Then I said, Behold, I have come, watch, in the scroll of the book it is written of me. The whole book, the Old Testament as well as the New Testament, talks about Jesus Christ on every single page. It is written of me to do your will, O God. Therefore, what we see in the cities of ref- in refuge is a picture of our salvation today in the New Testament. Our salvation in Jesus Christ, in whom you and I hopefully have fled for our place of refuge. The lost sinner is in danger of judgment, no doubt about it. Because it says in Romans chapter 3, verse 23, what does it say? For all of us have sinned, and all of us have what? Fallen short of the glory of God. But in Romans chapter 6, in verse 23, it tells us very clearly that the wages of our sin is what? It's death. Death. All of us have sinned, And all of us have fallen short of the glory of God. And the wages of your sin and my sin is death. And the avenger of blood is after us to put us ultimately to death. But it says in Romans 6.23, the free gift of God is eternal life in Jesus Christ our Lord. So the avenger of the blood is after the sinner. In our case, the one who wishes to kill us is none other than Satan. He wants us dead. But God's appointed Savior, Jesus Christ, is our place of refuge. Please turn. I know I'm asking you to turn a lot. Look at Acts chapter 4, please. It's just one verse. Gosh, I'll try to skip through some of these others, but not too much. But please look at at Acts chapter 4, because it shows us how our city of refuge is Jesus Christ and how there is no other city that we can flee to. There are not six cities today. There is but one. There is but just one place that anyone and everyone must flee to so that the avenger of our blood will not get us. In Acts chapter 4 and verse 12, it says, There is salvation in no one else. It says there is no other name under heaven that has been given among men, in other words, all of mankind, by which we must be saved. Let's read it again. It is too powerful of a verse just to pass over. 
There is salvation in no one else, no other. When Jesus Christ says, I am the way and the truth and the life, and nobody can come to the Father but through me, he is not stuttering. He is telling the truth. There is no other way. So there is salvation in no other, no one else. There is no other name that has been under heaven that has been given among men by which you and I must be saved. And so when we preach through the Bible, Jesus Christ is the only way. That is exactly what the Bible is saying back to us. There is no other way but Jesus Christ. And He is that place of refuge for all sinners. Because placed upon your life and my life is the sentence of death. Because we have all sinned and we have all fallen short of the glory of God. And the wages of sin is death. So there is a sentence of death upon us. We are in essence manslaughterers. So the sinner must come by faith to Jesus Christ in order to be saved. And save us? He will. He says in John chapter 6, verse 37, Jesus Christ says, All that the Father gives to me will come to me. And the one who comes to me, he says, I will certainly not cast out. You can be accepted into the city of refuge if you flee to Jesus Christ. I want you to note the differences that Jesus allows us when we run to Him for our refuge. I mean, I mean the difference between the Old Testament and today, how we live today in the New Testament, what is called the, 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 uh, the age of God's grace and the age of the church. Today, when you and I come to Jesus Christ for our salvation... When we stand at His gate, there is no need for an investigation. There is no need for us to say, well, it was an accident. No, no. When we come to Jesus Christ, we come to confess to Him that we are guilty. That we are guilty of sin. You see, the only people that Jesus Christ can truly save are those who confess their guilt and throw themselves upon His mercy. And so we come and we are not judged. We have already judged ourselves. Guilty. Father, forgive me for I have sinned. Come into my heart. Turn me into the person that You desire me to be. The Bible tells us He comes into us and then starts the work through the Holy Spirit of changing us into that person that we have created, that He has created us to be. In the Old Testament, if the fugitive left the, left the city of refuge, that person could be killed. But our, but our salvation in Jesus Christ is not conditional. There are not restrictions. Our salvation is forever. Our salvation is eternal. And why? Because our high priests will never die. We never lead, need to leave the city. We are forever secure because He always lives to make intercession for us. Turn to Hebrews now, please. Hold your place again in Luke. Hebrews is you know, near the end of the New Testament. If you go to the book of Revelation, the last book, turn to the left. You'll go through uh, 1st, 2nd, 3rd John, 1st, 2nd Peter. I think you'll hit then James and then Hebrews. And take a look at Hebrews chapter 7. Great place in Scripture. Absolutely great. 
Jesus Christ, our high priest, lives to make intercession for you and me. In verse 24 of Hebrews chapter 7, it says, But Jesus Christ, on the other hand, because He continues forever, holds His priesthood permanently. He doesn't lose it. Our high priest does not die. Therefore, therefore, it says in verse 25, He is able also to, what? Save forever those of us who draw near to God through Him. In other words, go to Him as our place of refuge. Since He always lives to make intercession for us, He is continually praying for us. God, forgive them, for they knew not what they did. God, forgive them. I have died for that sin. When Jesus Christ prayed on the cross in Luke chapter 23 and verse 34 when he says father forgive them for they know not what they do he was at that point in time listen to how this all fits together he was declaring that every single person on the face of this earth was guilty not of murder but of manslaughter every single one of us forgive them father because they do not know what they are doing It was accidental, he is saying to the Father. I will take upon myself their sin. He is declaring that you and I were guilty, but we're guilty of manslaughter, not murder. Watch what Paul says. Paul says, even though I was formerly a blasphemer and a persecutor and a violent aggressor, Yet I was shown mercy. Why? He says, because I acted ignorantly in unbelief. In other words, it was manslaughter. It wasn't murder. He says that in 1 Timothy. Paul does. 1 Timothy chapter 1, verses 12, 13, and 14. However, you and I, as, as people who walk this earth today, none of us can plead ignorance any longer. Because God has, in His holy book, declared every single one of us guilty and without excuse. Guilty of manslaughter. Without excuse. Because we are sinners. All of us have sinned. All of us have fallen short of the glory of God. The Bible says in Romans chapter 3 and verse 10, There is none of us who is righteous. Not one. Verse 11 says, There is none of us who understand. None of us seek after God. Verse 12, Romans chapter 3 says, There is none of us who do good. There is not even one. I'm always interested when people say, Well, I'm a pretty good person. You know, I'm, I, think I, I think I could stand up with God. I, I think he, you know, he can take my life. I've been a pretty good person. The Bible shouts back at him, No, you're not. There's not a one of you who are righteous. There's not a one of you who have done good. Not a one. And so we are accountable. You and I, the whole world, is under the sentence of manslaughter. Every single one of us. We are guilty because of our sin. And because of our sin, we need to run to a city of refuge. We need to run to that place where we are secure in who Jesus Christ is as He protects us from all that we have done wrong. 
and the avenger of blood, Satan wants to grab a hold of you, but he, if you've come to Christ, has no longer a hold on you, not one, not one. You are free because of Jesus Christ. Now, as I look here in this room, I, I recognize almost all of you. I, I've got to believe that, that, that every person here is a believer in Jesus Christ, but I don't know. Only God knows that. If you've trusted in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, this message is for you and me. If you have not, if you have not yet, you cannot say in your heart of hearts, I know for sure I am a born-again believer. Not because of church, not because of my religion, but because of my faith and my trust in Jesus Christ, my city of refuge, who, who I have fleed to for my secure salvation. If you cannot say that with confidence today, what is today's date? First of March, what a great day to come to Christ. I mean, the first of March, you can remember it for all your life. You know, it won't be a time like mine was March, March the 12th. Yeah, I'm getting swollen. I can't remember any. March the 12th, 1973. I've got a tough date to remember. March the 1st, 2009. You've got it made. Come to Christ. Ask Him into your heart. Ask Him to forgive you of your sin. Run to your city of refuge so that avenger of blood cannot come and put a sentence of death upon you. Your only protection is Jesus Christ. There is no other name under heaven by which you and I must be saved. But the message is really for those of us who attend church here and, and have trusted in Christ. The message is for you and me. The message is that we are to become like Joshua and Caleb. We are to become people who, who have already trusted in this city of refuge. We don't need to flee there anymore. We are there. We are living within that city, that glorified, wonderful city. And we are protected by the blood of Jesus Christ. And in that, you and I need to be a people who stand strong in this day and age in which we live. It is my belief. I'm not sure I'm right. I don't know. Anything can change things in a second. But it is my belief that we're living in tough days. It is my belief that it's going to get tougher. It is my belief that you and I need to stand upon what we believe and what we trust in. And we need to be a church that stands strong in the, in the very presence of evil around us. And it's growing. And it's coming. It is today more difficult to profess your faith in Jesus Christ than ever before, I'm guessing. But I just believe tough times are coming. And I believe you and I just need to stand firm on what we believe. We trusted in Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. We need to stand firm in that. And we need to grow up in our faith. We need to be the men and the women that God has called us to be so that when the evil one comes against us, we can stand strong. There's one thing I am certain about. When the church is attacked and when believers are attacked, we only get stronger. Jesus Christ lifts us up to a place that we didn't even believe we could go on our own and we will be as strong as possible. I believe there is so much good ahead of us even though we are in difficulty at times. I believe that with all my heart. And like Caleb, as I grow older, I want to be strong like I was 40 years ago. I want to stand strong against the evil one. And I believe you do too. I believe that you and I need to be a people who are fallen in love with the Lord Jesus Christ with all our heart, with all our soul, and with all our strength.
If you have Christ as your Savior, He is asking you and me to stand firm in this city of refuge that we are in and that we can never leave. He will never leave us and He will never forsake us. I want you and me to be a people who have been called on by God to stand strong in these times. If you're here this morning and you've not accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, if you would, pray with me. If you would come up, I'm going to be seated right here. Pastor Bill will be up here too with me. And Wes, if you would like to come, we will be here. And we will talk with you if you'd like to. Try to explain to you the road to salvation is really quite simple. It is a trust and belief in Jesus Christ. We want to explain that to you. And we don't want to put you on a spot. We just want to make you feel secure in who you are in Christ. Let's pray. Father in heaven, I want to thank you from the bottom of our hearts for the privilege of knowing about this place called a city of refuge. In the Old Testament, you poured aside six different cities that anyone could run to if an avenger of their blood was after them. In our case, Father, the avenger of the blood of us is none other than Satan. And you've allowed us to run to that city of refuge, which is your Son, Jesus Christ. And when we flee to Him, He will in no way, does it tell us in the Bible, He will in no way cast us out. He will accept us just as we are. And Father, let us stay, remain in Your arms, Your hands, the rest of our our lives until, Father, we come to be with You face to face. Lord, for the rest of us here who know You, help us to be the people that You've called us to be. Help us to stand strong in these difficult times and not succumb to the evil one. I pray Your blessings upon us all. In Jesus' most precious name, I pray these things. Amen. I love you more than you'll ever know. Have a great, great day.